Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, joined this week by a very special guest, a very good friend, someone we know very well, my predecessor on the Rams beat, Vinny Bonsignor, now, of course, with the Las Vegas Review Journal, doing an awesome job covering the Raiders and everything that's going on there. But it's relevant to, to bring back Vinny this week to talk about some stuff. Vinny's always relevant. Vinny, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, you know, in spite of uh, everything that's going on uh, right now in the world and, um, you know, sobering and sad and uh, just just a terrible situation. But, uh, you know, I guess with the NFL, um, you know, sticking with its calendar and, and doing free agency this week, I you know, I kind of feel like it's it's created a nice little distraction for fans, myself included, um, you know, to try to get away from all that for a little while, for a, a week or so, uh, to, to put our minds on something else. So, uh, you know, interesting times, sad times, but certainly in the NFL, a busy time. Uh, there's been It's been nonstop since the opening of free agency on Monday. I call it the opening of free agency because the whole legal tampering period, that whole thing is just ridiculous. It's it's free agency started on Monday and it's been nonstop ever since. Yeah, it really has. It's, it's funny how that changes so fast. And and yeah, I, I agree, Vinny. I mean, there, there's been some debate, you know, people on Twitter or whatever saying, oh, you know, it's, it's stupid that the NFL is doing this when, you know, so much is going on in the world. People are suffering. And yeah, you know what? If you have that opinion, I, I understand. I'm not, I certainly would not argue that. It's even even those of us who, who work and do this, I think, understand that it's really not that important. I mean, we, we know what's important in the world right now when, when people are suffering either physically or, uh, you know, emotionally. Everybody is, is being impacted in some way. So to talk about, you know, millions of dollars going back and forth and players being traded and signed or, or whatever. Look, we understand it's it's really, really not that important. But you know what? Best case scenario, if, if it can give people a little bit of a reprieve or a little bit of something to kind of take their minds off of, of what's going on, uh, then that's that's the way you have to look at it, I guess. And that's what it was for me yesterday. We're recording this Thursday morning now, and, and yesterday it was kind of like, gosh, I was just so immersed in everything that was going on that uh, it, it kind of it took you away from it a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, we know what's going on and, and uh, how difficult things are right now. So definitely always have that at the front of our minds. But there is a, a lot to talk about. Uh, Vinny, and had you uh, had the idea to, to bring you on to, to talk about Corey Littleton, obviously uh, being signed uh, by the Raiders away from the Rams, and you're, you're a guy who knows him very well, covered him for, for three plus years with the Rams. But Vinny, it's the other thing that we're kind of sitting here waiting, and as I'm speaking, I, I have my, my tweet deck up here because I, I'm scrolling and, and I'm waiting uh, for, for any type of news. But Vinny, we're, we're kind of on Todd Gurley watch. I, I think that's fair to say. There's, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, speculation out there and, and different kind of reports about, are the Rams trying to trade Todd Gurley? Will they be able to trade him if they don't? trade him? Might they release him? Uh, all this stuff is, is kind of flying around. And, and Vinny, you know, you've covered the league even longer th than I have going back before 2016. I, I think we both kind of know how this works. Uh, you know, teams, you, you kind of play the game 
publicly, uh, kind of dip your toe in the water, put your fishing pole in the water and kind of see maybe what the reaction is, whether you get a bite, uh, things like that. But when, when you take all this in, Vinny, what do you think? Is this the natural conclusion? I mean, given everything that's gone on since uh, really since the end of that 2018 season and the way things have been trending, uh, you know, should, should we have seen this? Should we have kind of realized that, that maybe this is where we would be headed one day? Yeah. And, and what, what, uh, that's, you know, a lot to swallow right there and a lot to, to, to think about. Uh, yeah. but as you were talking, I was just, I, I just remembered a hot summer day in, in, uh, Irvine, California, when, you know, word came down that, that Todd Gurley had signed a, a, a new contract extension and, the world has changed so much. His world, the Rams' world, um, since that day. I mean, and then when you think about it, you know, all the way through 2018, he was playing like an MVP caliber player. He was the odds-on favorite heading into December uh, to probably win a second straight Offensive Player of the Year award. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was doing insane things, so he was also there in the running. But then it all fell apart. It just completely, in the blink of an eye, it fell apart for Todd Gurley, and it was never the same after that first or second week in December. Something happened, uh, you know, in the Philadelphia Eagles game, if I remember correctly. Um, and 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 it just, it was just, it was never the same. And and last year was just the oddest of years. I know they tried to do what they could uh, to keep him healthy for a full season. Uh, there was load management going on. Uh, there was no question about that, whether they wanted to admit it or not publicly, whether he wanted to concede it publicly or not. Obviously, there was some sort of a plan. He just wasn't getting used the way he had been getting used uh, in the in the past or had been used in the past. Um, and then there was just it was like this constant state of confusion of what's really going on here, uh, going all the way back to last offseason when rumors started that, you know, he had this kind of an injury or arthritis or uh, you know, damaged goods and, and nobody was ever really clear on it. So it was just a very confusing year. And when you talk about it in a football sense, to me, Sean McVay was continually coaching with his arm behind his back because he had to deal with whatever was really going on with Todd Gurley. And, and I think in those kind of situations, um, sometimes not that feelings can get hurt, but, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of anger, confusion, whatever the case might be. But I just think that it's it's just fallen apart. And I think the relationship has probably fallen apart as a result or been affected as a result. And I think that at this point, the Rams would be uh, more than happy to, to, you know, allow Todd Gurley to move on and, and have a fresh new start for him, whatever that might mean for him in his career. And I think Todd Gurley would probably welcome it as well. Yeah, Vinny, it's really tough. You know, people ask, well, geez, they, you know, they just signed this guy. You know, why are they doing this? Why does this seem to happen? But that that's kind of life in the NFL in, in general. I mean, that you, you sign a deal, you make a deal at a certain time. And then if it doesn't make sense a year later, really, I mean, the, the way that the, the, the rules are structured, the salaries are structured, you, you can do this sort of thing. It's You can't really do this in, in baseball or certainly not in hockey Basketball, I think, is pretty tough, too. I don't know the rules quite as well there. But you constantly have to be doing this, looking at your contracts and looking at your team and the way things are structured and say, all right, is this the time to, to make a move? Even if you just re-signed a guy a year ago, like you, you can't just sit there and say, all right, signed a guy for four years. He's going to be here for four years. Uh, it's, it's a constant process of evaluating that and seeing whether it makes the most sense in this moment. So I understand people look at it and go, you know, why are they being like this? Why are they, you know, 
know, all over the place, signing people and then trying to trade them. <laughs> but that, that's just how it goes. And, and if you're a, a smart uh, personnel person, you, you're, you're constantly looking at that thing. But yeah, Vinny, to, to me, it's just with Todd in specific, it's they had to find a path forward. And, and that's kind of, I, I think what I, what I wrote toward the end of the season is, they couldn't just repeat what they did last season. And and I know why they did it. And I know why things were said the way they were, communicated the way they were. I understand. And I agree with you completely that, that Sean McVay was uh, in a way, you know, pretty much harmed by this and in the way that he was able to, to call plays, design an offense and that sort of thing. And I just thought, you know what, if they're going to try to do this again with Todd Gurley, it can't just be a repeat of 2019. They're going to either have to fundamentally change the way that they approach him, the way that they use him, the way that things are communicated. Like it's, they're just going to have to totally go back to the drawing board and, and redesign this thing. Or it's it's time to move on. And I, I wrote it at the end of the season. They either have to recommit to him or they have to trade him. And I, I thought maybe, Vinny, based on, I know you were at the Combine too, and you heard some of the things that were that were said. I thought maybe, you know, maybe they've got a path forward here. Maybe they can kind of step back and and figure this out and, and you know, find some type of path forward with Todd Gurley that would make sense. Uh, you know, maybe more Daryl Henderson, maybe bring somebody else in, whatever it is. But then you just look at it and you go, you know what? You know, maybe it is just better. Maybe it's just maybe it's just not something that you can try to, you know, put, put those pieces back together and, and piece something together. Maybe it's just something where it's better uh, that, that both sides move on. So it's it's shocking to, to think that we've reached that point. Um, after basically only a year removed, maybe a, you know, a year and a few months removed from, like you said, when he was a leading candidate from for offensive player of the year, but that that's just life in the NFL, right? Yeah, unfortunately, and uh, you know, um, injuries are a factor, and obviously, money is a factor, and the Rams specifically um, have to figure some things out uh, with their salary cap because right now they're, I think, they're over the cap. Uh, as we speak, uh, they're going to have to make some moves to get under the cap. Um, and, you know, you, it, it's just what more than anything, and you, and you hit on this, it's Todd Gurley. You know, this is a star premier player. He was as good as it gets in the NFL for that two-year run right there. And even before that, uh, the year before, or his rookie year, uh, I know 2016 was kind of a, a watch for various reasons. But 2017 and 2018, for most of 2018, uh, he was as good as it gets as a runner, a pass catching ty- uh, running back, a blocker. Um, he was a stud, flat out, and you can see or envision a guy like that, you know, for the next three, four years, you know, being the principal point of your offense and the anchor of your offense, and that's exactly what he was uh, for the Rams, and that's what made it so hard last year. Uh, they had relied on him so much in so many different ways, even as a decoy. Uh, that to to pull that back a little bit, and and in this case it was a lot of bit. It wasn't just a little bit. He was, you know, the 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 difference in usage from seventeen and most of eighteen to two thousand nineteen was pretty dramatic, and there was no replacement for that. There was no alternative for that, and there were a lot of times where he was just on the field and literally not being used. Um, he was just a decoy for for so many you know parts of the for long stretches of those games. And we saw what the Rams' offense looked like uh, as a result. And so it's just starking to me 
uh, that we've come to this point for a player that was so good. This is an Alec Ogletree, and no no disrespect to Alec Ogletree, who the Rams signed uh, to a what a four year contract, then very soon after. You know, uh, traded him. You know, Alec Ogletree is a, is a good, steady, you know, effective player, but he's not an MVP caliber player, and that's exactly what Todd Gurley uh, was. And for to see the the wheels kind of fall off as quickly as it did, it's kind of a sobering thought about the NFL and that position in particular. You're vulnerable every time the ball is in your hands and and, and you're making a play. And and I still go back to that Eagles game, and it was kind of. I just remember him, you know, it was a sideline play. I think that that's when it happened. But, you know, he, he, he looked weird after it. And I remember up in the press box, we were all kind of talking about it, like, what just happened to Todd? You know, and, and it just was never the same after that. Yeah, you do. It's it's so. Then, look, you talk about these running back contracts. And now I, I think we, we are able to see that, you know, we went through that that period there where there was a little bit of a burst there with the, with the running backs, with Todd Gurley, David Johnson, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Zeke, I don't remember who else was a part of that, but you that little burst of, of running backs starting to get paid, and and now I you're I think you're going to see a correction in terms of, of that, but you, yeah, then you look at it, yeah, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, yeah, another one there in, in that uh, picture. So, but yeah, you you have to put yourself back in that place in in 2018. I mean, Todd Gurley coming off a of, you know 2,000 yards from scrimmage, he's only 24 years old at that point, so it's not like you're giving that money to a 28 year old running back or something. You could definitely see from the Rams perspective where it was yeah you know this is a lot of money to put into a running back but even at the end of this contract he's still only going to be about what 28 years old Um, so at that point uh, you know obviously you're not going to commit big money but you could see where they thought hey man this is a guy who's you know 2,000 yard back and and he's still just about to enter his his prime year so uh, it, it was a deal again that made made some sense at the time you certainly can make the argument that you could you should never pay a running back like that but you certainly can make the argument that you could should never pay a running back like that but you can see what the Rams were, were thinking there and and now now the situation's changed so you have to deal with the circumstances that that you're in, that are in front of you so Vinny you, you mentioned and we're, we're gonna pivot into some of these other things but just for the for the numbers sake because you know a lot of people wonder well are the Rams done what are they gonna do you just mentioned it Vinny based just based on what they did yesterday on Wednesday they re-sign Andrew Whitworth they re-sign Austin Blythe they sign two free agents Leonard Floyd and and Ashawn Robinson. We don't know the exact numbers because there's uh, incentives involved that, that may or may not raise what, what that cap number is. But but your estimate there is they, they've added at least conservatively $30 million there. When you talk about $10 million here, 10 there, eight here, I don't, I don't know what Austin Blythe ends up getting, but you know they're adding about uh, about 30 million, maybe more. They did not have $30 million in cap room. They, they do not right now have $30 million in cap room. So something is going to have to happen here before these contracts become official. Now, the, the thing that we think is probably most likely or, or at least a, a reasonable scenario is restructuring Jared Goff's contract. Uh, that's something that's been talked about. Uh, that they, they, Rams do have that ability to do that. I actually found out at the combine that that it's written into Jared's contract that that they have the ability to do that. They don't even have to really negotiate, or, or I'm sure they will. I'm sure they would be in communication with Jared's agent to to talk about it. But it's it's something that's actually written into his contract. So something that they um, have planned to uh, at least look at if if need be. 
Greg Zerline still an option. I, I heard last night he, he is still out there. I wondered maybe whether Dallas would would take a look at him just because John Fossil is is now there and uh, the obvious connection. They have a very close relationship, but uh, Dallas resigned their kicker, so apparently not headed there, and uh, still a chance that that Greg might come back to the Rams. So so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but Vinny, just to, to run the numbers here real quick, I don't want to bore people too much with, with numbers, but just talking about Todd Gurley, and, and we could even throw Brandon Cooks in here, uh, to, to trade Todd Gurley, uh, you, you'd be talking about a, a pretty good uh, cap savings, uh, depending on when it's done. There's different designations, but you could you could save roughly five million dollars, I, I think, in in a trade situation. Uh, if you get talk, start talking about cutting him, uh, you, there's different designations, and we won't go too deep into the weeds here. But there's there's pre June first and post June first designations of, of terms of in terms of when that is actually um, official. So if they if it were to be hypothetically were to be a situation where they cut Todd Gurley, you're almost certainly looking at a post-June 1st uh, cut, which would mean about $5.5 million in, in savings if, if the numbers on overthecap.com are correct. Uh, Brandon Cooks, a little bit, uh, you know, similar situation. You'd probably be looking at a, at a trade uh, situation with him more likely, and uh, that would be a post-June 1st situation too. Um, if, if another team agreed to that. So I don't know, Vinny, I, I, I think about it going back and forth and, you, you know, you don't think that these trades are going to happen, but then you, you look at the Arizona-Houston one and you think, well, that that would never have happened. So I, I, I don't know, just what's, do you, have, do you have any kind of gut feeling on this? I mean, assuming that, that the Rams, you know, really are motivated to uh, to move Todd Gurley, do, do you think in, in your gut, do you think there's, there's a chance that, that another team would, would give up any kind of compensation or are the Rams looking at a, a decision about uh, whether or not they're, they're just going to keep him on the roster period. Yeah. And I think that that's what's so fascinating is once you wrap your head around the fact that the Rams and Todd Gurley have arrived at this, at this moment in time, then the next step is, okay, well, who would be interested and what would they uh, be willing to give up? And I think, I think the team that, that jumps right out at you is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers considering, um, you know, the offensive talent that they have in place, uh, a coach like Bruce Arians, who um, you know has has he's just an offensive guru type of a guy. Uh, they bring in Tom Brady, who's obviously uh, you know getting ready to turn forty three years old. He's not going to be there forever, uh, so they want to maximize what they ha- already have offensively. And and now you know a quarterback that they're paying you know thirty some million dollars to for the next couple of years, they want to maximize that. So a uh, Todd Gurley in that offense makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, now the question is, you know, what is Tampa Bay willing to, to give up and, and you know, where does the, where do the Rams draw the line? My thing is if they were going to probably cut him at some point, then they would probably take, um, you know, I'm not saying just anything, but, but, you know, a fourth or a fifth round pick might be reasonable uh, compensation for, for Todd Gurley right now, uh, especially given that, I think it's pretty obvious that they, that both sides want to part ways right now from each other. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's uh, you know to to think that we've we've reached this point is uh, you know either way either way, Vinny. Now I think because you know this this news is out here um, oh, and yeah. you know stuff gets uh, reported and these are you know reputable people who are who are talking about it. So 
no matter what. <laughs> I mean, even if the situation where the Rams don't trade Todd Gurley and don't release him and he's still on the roster, I mean, how awkward is that at this point if, if that doesn't happen? So uh, we'll see. We'll keep a close eye on it. Like I said, I have a feeling that uh, e- either way, it's it's not going to take long uh, to have this resolved. Either, either he's moved or he's not moved. I, I don't think it's a situation that's going to uh, continue for, for weeks on end or anything like that. So it be very, very interesting to see what happens over the next uh, 24 hours. But, but Vinny, we did want to talk about because, uh, you know, there, there have been actual moves. We spent, you know, quite right. a bit of time here talking about things that may or may not happen, but, but some things have happened over the last 48 hours and, uh, things uh, on the Rams end happened, uh, pretty quickly later in the day on Wednesday when, uh, first kind of domino was earlier in the day, re-signing Austin Blythe and re-signing Andrew Whitworth. Uh, they did not retain uh, Dante Fowler, but very quickly after that came to terms with Leonard Floyd. And then later in the day, uh, signed Ashawn Robinson to be uh, a defensive tackle, probably maybe, maybe a nose tackle, maybe uh, some type of uh, movement along that line. We'll see how that goes on the defensive line. But Vinny, earlier than that, uh, the Rams lost Michael Brockers, who uh, went and signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Should be quite a defense there. And they also lost Corey Littleton to the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. I had to pause when I was writing that yesterday because I almost wrote Oakland Raiders. But uh, <laughs> this uh, one of the stranger things that's going on uh, is, is having to write the term Las Vegas Raiders. But... Vinny, a lot of Rams fans, uh, I think it's fair to say, upset about losing Corey Littleton. If you, if you talk about those defensive free agents that the Rams had, uh, I think if you took a poll of Rams fans, Corey Littleton probably would have been the one they wanted to keep the most. Uh, but obviously there was a market for him out there. He was a popular guy. So what, uh, what kind of sense does this make for the Raiders? How how does he fit in there and what about him do you think was was really attractive for for John Gruden and, and Mayock and the guys? Uh, fits like a glove. And, um, you know, I go back to the, the first game that I covered uh, when I took over, um, you know, covering the Raiders. It was in New York against the Jets, and the Jets just torched the Raiders time and time again. It was like play after play after play using running backs uh, and slot wide receivers cutting across the right in front of their linebackers. Uh, who couldn't keep up and were just burnt time after time on those short little patterns that they couldn't contain. And I just remember thinking, and I I knew that Corey was going to be a free agent most likely. Uh, the Rams weren't going to be able to sign him before he hit the open market. And very soon after, I tweeted, boy, Corey Littleton, who's a pending free agent, would look really, would fit perfectly with the Raiders. And I, Ram fans who still followed me were like, Vinny, don't do that. You know, you traitor, <laughs> you know, don't take him. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but, you know, from that moment on, I was like, boy, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Raiders were interested in Corey Littleton because that's what he provides. Uh, he's a sideline to sideline player. He's a, a decent or uh, average above average run stopper, but he really excels in pass coverage, being able to defend tight ends and, and running backs uh, in pass coverage. And that was exactly what the Raiders were looking for uh, as they went about shoring up their, their linebacker core uh, this offseason. And, and now Corey, coupled with uh, Nick Kwiatkowski from um, the Chicago Bears, who they also signed, all of a sudden their their linebacker group uh, has turned over in a really good way for them. So 
um, you know, tough, tough loss for the Rams, but but the Raiders were, uh, I mean, he was pretty much at the top of their uh, wish list going into free agency, and they were ecstatic to get their guy. Yeah, and the, the other thing, Vinny, is to, to see that guy blossom. I mean, we, we covered him from the beginning. He comes in in 2016 as an undrafted free agent, and we're not even really paying that much attention to him because we don't even know if he's going to make the roster. And then he establishes himself as that special teams ace, the punt blocker, and then gets an opportunity on defense and takes advantage of it becomes a starter, takes advantage of that. It's really, uh, you know, even if you're a Rams fan and, and you're upset about losing Corey Littleton, I think you you really have to be happy for him and, and applaud him. And he's a really good guy, too. And uh, to, to see him get rewarded for, for all of that work is, is something that's that, that's pretty cool. From from the Rams' perspective, Vinny, I, I think you, you realize there's a chance that, that you're going to lose him. Um, and, and that linebacker core now is, is going to get refreshed a little bit. I, I think you look at a guy maybe like Traven Howard, who uh, played well. Look at those. Now, now that we have the ability to watch Game Pass for, for free, if Rams fans, if you're looking for something to do, go back and maybe watch a couple of those last games uh, of the season and, and keep an eye on Traven Howard and, and the, some of the plays that he made uh, late in the season. So I, I think he's a guy who can – be in that mix. Uh, Vinny, a guy I know you remember very well, Micah Kaiser, I, I think, uh, is, is going to factor into that inside linebacker spot too, depending on uh, you know what Brandon Staley, new defensive coordinator, uh, uh, wants from these guys. Uh, you know They could line up in, in a little bit of different, different locations and stuff like that. But the compensation, Vinny, let, let's talk about this briefly because I think Rams fans looked at the contract, three-year contract, uh, I believe re- reported could be worth up to $36 million. Uh, so again, that, that can depend. Sometimes there's incentives in there that, that are or are not uh, achievable. But Vinny, I think maybe Rams fans looked at that on, on the surface level and said, gosh, that, you know, that's $12 million a year. Uh, why couldn't the Rams you know, match $12 million a year? But are we seeing maybe the first example of the the Las Vegas advantage, if, if you could call it that, in terms of $12 million a year in Nevada is a little bit different than $12 million a year in California, right? It is. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, um, you know, always uh, the best when it comes to those numbers and taxes and, and things like that. I do know when I was you know, telling some of uh, the Rams players, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be taking a job with, you know, in Las Vegas covering the Raiders. Already guys were saying, man, do you understand how much that's going to affect your paycheck without any state tax? And so they're, they're already, we're already thinking about it uh, along those terms, just in my uh, situation. So, and I know talking to players, it's it's something that they, they are fully aware of. And so for, for the Raiders, to be able to have that carrot when they, you know, reach out to free agents uh, is a pretty big thing. And so, from what I understand, um, if you if you talk to tax experts and people that are in the know on this type of thing, twelve million dollars is, in a lot of ways, the equivalent of what you'd be making if you were making fourteen million dollars in a state that uh, there is a state income tax. And and you know, in California, it's 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 a pretty high state income tax. So it's an advantage uh, that they are are well aware of, and I think that players are. are interested in uh, and not only that they've got that brand new stadium uh, that's uh, close to being completed uh, uh, in just off the strip in Las Vegas they've got a gorgeous beautiful just uh, ridiculous uh, um, new facility that they're building in Henderson Nevada not not too far away so everything is pointing in the right direction for the Raiders and and with all of those all of, and you know they, they feel like the Raiders name and, and logo and, and brand speaks for itself as well 
So they feel like they're in a really good position to be big time players moving forward uh, for for free agent players. And I think players are going to react pretty positively to that as well. Yeah, it's 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 a different ball game, you know. If if you're a, a West Coast guy now, and and I know Corey is, he has some, some roots on on the West Coast, and obviously played at at Washington too. Uh, it's it's an attractive option now to go to Las Vegas, and your money's going to go a lot farther, and you're still going to be pretty close to you know whatever you consider your base or your roots or whatever. And uh, yeah, Vinny, I, I think you found out firsthand uh, that uh, that it's a, it's a little bit of a different ball game when you, when you talk about living in Las Vegas, even in terms of cost of living and stuff like that. I, I think you were telling me the guys, uh, even the Rams, their 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 ears were perking up a little bit when when you told them you were leaving, right? Yes, no doubt about it. And um, you know, a, a few of them that I that I've you know remained in contact with, you know, they're asking me. You know, how's the house search going? And, uh, you know, it's the, when you start talking about, you know, the, like you said, the cost of living and, and how f- much further the dollar stretches here compared to, to California, it's 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 pretty stark. It's it's stark. It's kind of sad in a way, uh, actually, because I don't think a lot of people want to leave California necessarily, but it's a pretty attractive situation that they have here and uh when i when i got here when i officially moved here you had to go to the dmv to change my plates and and the person to my right and the person to my left as we were as we're waiting for our numbers to get called we're both from california and you see that so often uh how many you know californians have have decided to to make the move uh, to nevada um, and it makes a lot of sense because it's it's you know everyone thinks of nevada and they think of las vegas but there's a whole big area um, you know, on either side of, of downtown Summerlin and, and Henderson uh, that are just, you know, you wouldn't even know that it existed if you didn't know that it existed. And, and you get here and you realize, wow, there's a lot more to Las Vegas than just Las Vegas. And I think that that's another attractive uh, aspect for players as well. Yeah, it really has changed over the years, not to get on a tangent there, but uh, to the whole the whole area, the whole city has just uh, changed so much. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that uh, develops and Kind of how maybe the Raiders are able to to use that to the through their advantage maybe, but uh, Vinny, we can. Uh, I, I wrote a little bit more about all those situations. You really can can read it on on the Athletic, the website, uh, the app. So please do check out the the story that I posted this morning. Kind of run down all of the moves that were made yesterday from the Rams' perspective, why they did what they did, and uh, kind of what might be the consequences of, of some of those moves. But, Vinny, the one thing I wanted to, to talk about with you, because how many times on the podcast did we talk about the Rams' offensive line? I think that was kind of a, <laughs> a, a weekly feature, but it, it is, again, very relevant uh, because the Rams did uh, on Wednesday, as you said, re-sign Andrew Whitworth. Uh, to a three-year contract, signed Austin Blythe to a one-year contract. Now, the one thing I want to say here before we get into a little bit of the analysis is I know people saw Andrew Whitworth sign's three-year contract and then, you know, kind of choked on their coffee or whatever and said, you know, what are you doing? The guy's 38 years old. Why are you signing him to a a three-year contract? But but really, and and I got into this a little bit in the story too, that really, really, really is about the salary cap more more than anything else in terms of mitigating 
delegating some of that uh, responsibility, being able to spread things out. I, I believe it's it's only about twelve million dollars in guaranteed money, if if I if I'm understanding correctly, out of the thirty million dollars. So if anybody thinks that the Rams are doing this with the idea that they're eventually going to you know trot out forty one year old Andrew Whitworth as their left tackle, I can assure you that is not the case. It's something that's done to to kind of make it to make more sense financially, and also I'm told. You know, Whitworth, you don't want to say gave him a discount or anything like that. But when you look at, you know, what some of the, the guys got out there on the on the open market, uh, you have to think Andrew Whitworth could have done better than signing a one year, $10 million contract someplace. I, I think he could have got more than that. So I, I think he did a, the Rams a little bit of a solid there in terms of the, of the finances. And, and then obviously, um, you know, shores up that left tackle position that, that is really important. And then bringing back Austin Blythe uh, gives them some flexibility depending on what happens at, at center. Uh, obviously has the, the ability to play either guard position too. So a little bit of a, a Swiss Army knife there that gives the Rams some options. But Vinny, the, the thing that I think some Rams fans have, have questioned or uh, have been maybe a little anxious about is some people wanted, expected, whatever word you want to use there, that there'd be some wholesale changes along that line, that maybe guys would get shipped out, other guys would come in. We spent a lot of time talking about how the line at times was a was a big problem in 2019 as, as some of these guys tried to acclimate, tried to develop chemistry. There definitely were some big, big bumps along the way. Some mistakes were made and, and you know, it cost the Rams at, at certain points. But Vinny, the way that I look at it is I, I think the pieces are, are there now. Uh, it may take the Rams a little bit of time to sort them out. But, but when you actually look at the players and the experience that was gained in 2019 and, and the, the young talent that's there, I, I think they can feel reasonably comfortable in saying, all right, the, the guys are here. We just maybe need to, to sort them out a little bit and, and see who fits where. So is that reasonable or are the Rams kind of making the same mistake that they did a year ago? No, I, I think that um, and, you know, we could kind of go back and forth on, uh, you know, whether it was a mistake last year. I think, um, you know, most of all, it was just a product of, of the reality of, of the NFL. Um, you know, they didn't want her to lose Roger Saffold. Uh, but, you know, uh, as we're seeing this year, finances dictate a lot of what you do uh, in the offseason. You're just not going to be able to keep, you know, all, all your players. And they, they kind of rolled the dice on some young players uh, who were probably still in development mode, who, you know, probably weren't 100% ready to, uh, to to be starting caliber NFL players. I think you saw um, the result of that early in the season. Uh, but as the year went on, and then you had injuries that forced players to, to you know, play a little bit sooner than, than even the Rams had anticipated. Um, as a result of all that, though, you had a whole bunch of guys that got a whole bunch of experience, a lot of experience, that are better off right now than they were at this point last year. So uh, it's not easy. Um, there were some ugly moments, um, most of which were anticipated and expected and uh, pretty natural given uh, you know the, the age of the players, the experience of the players, and the level that they were being expected to play at. Uh, but when you look back now a year later, uh, the, the Rams are actually sitting in a pretty decent place uh, along the offensive line. Now the key is, for these guys, especially these rookie players or players that were getting that first uh, chance at, at real exposure in the NFL, 
Um, you know, I was talking to Mike Mayock, the Raiders general manager, and he's like, you know, everyone wants to say that 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 rookie year is is so important, but it's really that second year of being able to to get even better, to make the adjustments based off the adjustments. Now you, you have a whole year of film, other teams do, uh, to be able to figure out. Uh, you know, some of these young Bobby Evans, David Edwards, what their strengths are and especially what their weaknesses are and be able to try to exploit those, you know, moving forward. And it's on David Edwards and Bobby Evans and players like that uh, to figure out a way to combat that and to get better from that and, and to deal with that. So uh, I think they're sitting in a really good position, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how these guys develop over the course of, of next season. If they do, as the Rams expected, then the offensive line uh, can be a pretty solid part of their team because you're talking about some some good young young players and especially the, the young part uh, that you can uh, grow with over these next three or four years. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, not to not to revisit the, the, the old arguments, but, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of a miscalculation in terms of relying so much on those young guys at the start of the season, yeah. but you you look at it and the, there was an evolution there. And I'm not trying to make excuses because I was a, a big critic of this, but even the guys who, you know, had their, their rough, rough moments at the beginning of the season and, and then got hurt, Joe Noteboom, Brian Allen, those guys, you, you when you watch them from a week-to-week basis, you could see them slowly starting to figure things out. And I, I don't know where it would have ended up with the, either of those guys had they stayed healthy by, by the end of the year. But it, it was clear to me that they they were, you know, you, you could see them start to, to figure it out a little bit. And, and not only that, but, you know, Austin Blythe, when he moved to center, it, it was – it was a different guy. I mean, he, he was so much more effective playing at, you know, what we know is, is his natural position, what, what he played in college. You bring in uh, two guys, David Edwards and Bobby Evans, who really, we didn't know what the expectations were for either one of those guys. And, and yeah, I'm not saying they were all pro caliber players, but, but to come in as they did as rookies in the middle of a season, uh, I, I thought they, they certainly exceeded my expectations. And, and by the time you got to the end of the season, uh, Austin Corbett coming in, uh, a guy, again, who the, the Cleveland Browns basically you know just kind of dumped and, and the Rams take a shot at him. By the end of the season, you didn't have a real bad-looking offensive line there. And, and Andrew Whitworth, I, I think even his play at the start of the season had a little bit of a dip. Uh, may or may not have been impacted by, you know, with some of those other guys and, and just not having the chemistry early in the season. But by the end of the year, you had a, a pretty decent looking offensive line and, and a young one that could continue to get better. And then we don't know. Rob Havenstein is still there. I mean, is somebody who could easily bounce back. You know, Vinny, I, I know we, we talked about it early last season. You suspected that maybe injury was was a little bit of a part of, of his problem. So he's a guy who easily could come back and and re retain, regain that spot and and do well. So there are options there. I understand when when people look at the line and go, oh my goodness, the line was bad in 2019 and they didn't make any changes. Like I, I understand looking at it on, on that surface level, but but I think if you look a little bit deeper in terms of the potential that these guys have and the growth that they showed uh, last season. Season, I I don't think it's I don't think it's a reason to panic. Yeah, and uh, offensive line coaches are a, a a curious bunch. They're 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 to me some of the most interesting guys to talk to. Um, but 
uh, you know, guys like, um, you know, Aaron Cromer, the Rams offensive line coach, he has such a wealth of knowledge and you, and you, um, you know, lean on his expertise so much because, you know, they, they have guys in mind, like a Joseph Noteboom and Austin Blythe, these guys that are, that they, that they know after going through the combine, visiting with them, you know, uh, at their pro days and scouting them on, on film, they have a pretty good idea of guys that it might not be right now that they're ready to go, but give me a year uh, or so to, to work with these guys and, and to, to, to get some of their, um, you know, issues fixed uh, and developed uh, going from college to the NFL. They have a pretty good idea of who could play a new camp eventually. And so it's, it's not always going to look good initially, uh, especially when guys are getting rushed into action, you know, because of, of, of injury, like, like what happened last year. And I think the, the, the tricky part, the tr- tricky area where the Rams were in was that it was inexperience across you know, um, across the line, yeah. you lose Roger Saffold. So now Joseph Noteboom, uh, is playing Austin Blythe was really just in his, you know, second year, basically, um, playing for the, for the Rams. So he was a young player. And then, you know, we always forget that John Sullivan also left their center. So now you have a second year player in Brian Allen, who's starting at center. So you had two new starters plus a, a pretty young right guard in, in Austin Blythe. And then on top of that, right behind them, you had rookies essentially that were backing them up. You know, you would have liked to have seen, you know, maybe a veteran backup guy uh, who could who could help out in the kind of situations that happened last year. But in the whole scheme of things, it's almost better off that they didn't. It's almost better off that those rookies got put into the fire and thrown into the fire and are better off now for it. But sometimes you have to do that in the, in, in, you know, keeping in mind developing and the future. It, again, it might not look good early on, but the hope is with a guy like Aaron Cromer, knowing what he's doing and saying, Hey, give me this guy in the fourth round. I'll get him up to speed. Eventually he'll be fine. He's got everything that, that we're looking for, all the tools that we're looking for. He might not be ready today, but he will be tomorrow. So, and that was the case at the round. That was the case in the round. I think the the, what what sort of uh, exasperated the situation were the injuries, you know, note boom going down, and he like you said he was kind of coming on uh, at that point, and then Rob Havenstein getting hurt, um, and then you know Brian Allen gets hurt too. So there were a lot of injuries, and and it was so interesting because the two years before there were no injuries, the Rams were as injury free along the offensive line as you could possibly be, and that was a luxury that we all knew, and we we always talked about it this isn't really how it usually works. <laughs> There's usually injuries on the offensive line. Somehow, some way they, they skirted that in 17 and 18. Um, but, you know, obviously last year it kind of hit him in the head. But the good news is a bunch of young players got some great experience. Yeah, it's it's not something you would plan to do necessarily, but I, I think you just have to make the most out of the situation, and, and I think they did. They got a lot of looks. Uh, you know, a lot of offensive linemen played at least five or six games, and, and that doesn't usually happen, uh, especially when you talk about having rookies or, or second-year guys in there. So there's a lot to evaluate now. There's a lot of guys who are versatile, who can move around to. I would expect that the draft is, I don't know what round exactly, but I, I would be pretty surprised if they didn't add an offensive lineman to the mix at some point during the draft. The only negative side of this, Vinny, I think is we don't know what the offseason is going to look like. And, and, you know, people hear about the, the OTAs and all that, and you don't, you don't really necessarily know what it means. But, but they're a good opportunity once you get into that phase where you can actually get on the field 
uh, with the coaches. It's a good opportunity to do some of that kind of evaluation and start to build that chemistry, especially when you're talking about the five-man offensive line. So if they don't have that, and again, we don't know, we, we do know that the at least the start of it, which for the Rams and, and for every team that, that does not have a new head coach, the start of it was supposed to be April 20th. They, they've already, the NFL has already said, going to pause that. We're, we're going to see where things go, but it's, it's not going to be April 20th. So again, projecting way down the line, we have no idea what the, what the world is going to look like in, in May or even into June. But uh, Vinny, I, you, you have to think that, that on some level, we're not going to have a normal off season, right? No, and uh, it's interesting because, you know, the Raiders um, came to terms and are going to sign Jason Witten. Uh, and a lot of fans were like, what? You know, you know, an older player, you know, what's what's the whole point? And talking to some Raiders people and coaches, they were like, look, you know, um, A, he could still play. Uh, but B, we're moving a, a team from Oakland, you know, to Las Vegas in, a, in what's probably going to be, as you mentioned, a condensed offseason. Uh, you know, it's not a bad thing to have a leader-type player that could kind of hold things together a little bit through what's going to be what already was going to be, um, you know, a, a, not a rocky road, but a, a transitional road from Oakland to Las Vegas. And then you throw in, hey, we may not have OTAs this year. Um, it's good to have those kind of leader type players. And, and I think that for everyone across the league, that leadership is going to be, you know, hugely important. So, again, a guy like Andrew Whitworth, uh, you know, now Jared Goff and the guys that have grown into leaders with the Rams are going to play a pretty pivotal role in trying to keep things together while the NFL um, and the world really is is sorting uh, uh, its way through, uh, you know, the coronavirus and, and the ramifications of that. So um, leadership and, you know, uh, understanding how to keep – you know, take care of yourself and be ready to go uh, during what's going to be a pretty crazy offseason is going to be paramount. Yeah. The other thing for the Rams, I mean, not to, uh, again, no idea where this is going, but remember also that they have a new defensive coordinator and uh, he's going to be installing it set from, from what we heard. It's, it's not going to be a tremendous uh, swing of a change from, from Wade Phillips' system. I mean, still a base uh, three, four, and uh, you know, he's going to be very multiple and probably have a lot of different things to install. But again, that's, you know, OTAs is kind of where you, you start with that stuff or even just getting to know guys. I mean, obviously there's, there's been some outreach. I'm, I'm sure, but uh, you know, just, just having that experience of, of getting on the field with, uh, with a new coach, with a new coordinator, certain guys have new position coaches, but th- again, this is not unique to the Rams. Every, every team is, is going through this. And, and certainly even those teams that, that have hired new head head coaches are, are impacted even more because there, there's even a more dramatic uh, kind of culture change or, or whatever. But, you know, Vinny, if the, Ra- if the Raiders need somebody to help them uh, kind of guide them through this, uh, this transition of moving from one city to the next, I know somebody who's available, uh, you know, who they could hire, who's, who's perfect for this. Uh-oh. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, is it a J and an F? Yeah, I mean, he's it's perfect. He's done this twice. I, I think you could just bring him in and could be the the relocation guru and just just walk everybody through. Uh, maybe you could find the box of touchdowns and 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 hand that over to <laughs> John Gruden too. So yeah, it's not again. None of this is. Uh, 
None of this is is funny. Uh, it's it's a it's a very kind of scary time in terms of we don't know what the what the next couple of months are, are going to look like. But uh, it, it certainly on some level is going to impact what what teams do in the off season. So you know we got to keep an eye on that, even if it seems a little bit silly or a little bit trivial. Uh, it's it's something that, uh, that the NFL teams are, are going to have to deal with. Vinny, we can run through the other Rams moves real quick, see if anything kind of grabs you, if you, if you had any uh, uh, real reaction to any of them. But obviously, Dante Fowler leaves uh, for Atlanta. He got his payday. Good for him. It really, you know, Dante did a nice job after coming in from, from Jacksonville, really at a low point. Uh, it just kind of had been, you know, discarded. Really, is, is a good way to put it by by the Jaguars, and and uh, really worked uh, with the Rams to uh, turn himself into a three down linebacker and and somebody who was a very serious pass rusher. Eleven point five sacks, and and he gets rewarded with that nice contract, sixteen million dollars a year, basically. Uh, to go to the Atlanta Falcons. The Rams bring in Leonard Floyd, uh, a lower-priced option, hoping, really, I think, that he can be kind of that Dante Fowler 2.0, a guy who, you know, maybe didn't match expectations when when he was with the Bears after being a a high draft pick, but maybe somebody they can bring in. And and again, that that fresh start, that new environment, new scenery sometimes uh, does wonders for for somebody. So the Rams will hope that that's the case for, for uh, Leonard Floyd. Michael Brockers, again, goes to the Baltimore Ravens, gets $10 million a year. Good for him. Uh, I, I did not, uh, that number was a little bit higher than I thought it would be. And uh, I did, never did I think that, that if he was going to get $10 million a year, uh, that he would stay with the Rams. So not not a surprise there. And again, uh, bringing in Robinson, we'll see how that shakes out uh, along the uh, along the offensive front. And exactly who plays where uh, next to Aaron Donald, and the last one, uh, maybe you know, kind of the the biggest surprise I, I think is is Nickel Roby Coleman uh, is his uh, option contract option for twenty twenty not picked up, so he will become a, a free agent. The Rams recoup, uh, I believe it's five million dollars in salary cap space by by not bringing him back. Vinny, some questions there, you know, because people wonder, wow, you know, Nickel Roby Coleman has been a very effective. Uh, slot cornerback, nickel cornerback uh, throughout his time with the Rams. Uh, But I think the Rams look at it. I got a little bit of intel yesterday. Maybe Brandon Staley looking for a little bit more length at that position, just in terms of uh, somebody who's a little bit taller, maybe even a uh, can can bring some different physical aspects to that position. David Long, I think, is a guy you're going to be looking at there uh, to see if he, if he can step into that role. And then beyond that, there's some depth. When you talk about having Jalen Ramsey there, uh, Troy Hill had an outstanding second half of the season when, when he stepped into a full-time starting role. Uh, Darius Williams, another guy. Vinny's, Vinny was talking up Darius Williams to me before I even knew who Darius Williams was. Uh, so uh, that's a guy they, they think well. Of so is that uh, were you were you surprised at all by by Nickel going out or you know do you, do you think some of these other guys maybe can can mitigate that a little bit? Yeah, uh, a little bit surprised uh, just because he's he was one of the better slot cornerbacks in the NFL and just a, a pros pro and a, and a great influence in um, the locker room. Uh, you know, so anytime somebody like that gets gets released, um, 
no, it's it's wow. Okay, you're you, you know it, it raises your eyebrow, but again, finances come into play, and and you mentioned uh, the, the the depth that they've created at that position. They were quietly uh, doing that uh, the last couple of years with guys like Darius Williams and and David Long, who they're 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 really high on. So it's 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 a sign that um, they feel comfortable with what they have. There's probably some guys in the draft uh, that they're eyeing as well. Uh, and then, you, as you mentioned, when you, when you do, uh, scheme fits are always going to um, shake up your roster a little bit. So, um, you know, if the new defensive staff, um, you know, wants to get more length um, or has a prototype of, of what they're looking for, then unfortunately, there's going to be casualties on the current roster. Um, but uh, he's going to find a job here pretty quickly, I would imagine, uh, because guys like that. Uh, are, are really valuable to your team, and it's not going to cost a lot of money to to sign him. But you know, unfortunate because I think we all, you know, grew to really appreciate uh, Nickel just as somebody that we covered. Um, but then also, you know, from a from a football standpoint, um, he was he was everything that the Rams had hoped they he would be when they signed him from the Buffalo Bills a few years ago. Yeah, for sure. One of those signings that, you know, happened early on, Robert Woods being another one, John Sullivan, another one where, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't necessarily think a lot of them at the time, but wow, did those guys end up being huge parts of, of that turnaround uh, in 2017. So I, I don't think any hard feelings there, more of a, a business decision by the Rams and, and maybe maybe the first uh, indication that, that Brandon Staley on, on that defense is, is looking for a little bit different than, than what uh, Wade Phillips was was looking for. So that'll be interesting to track and, and see how some of those young guys progress. Could be a very important uh, training camp for, for David Long, and, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, it's, it was, it's been a fascinating week just with, with these moves. And, and again, uh, covered a lot more in the story uh, on The Athletic, breaking down kind of position by position. Uh, what uh, the Rams were thinking with with some of these moves. So please do check that out. And of course, we'll continue to follow whatever happens the rest of this week and and going into next week. And then, of course, we'll we'll pivot to the the draft very soon and uh, see what the Rams can do there with, with some of those picks. Always follow along with Vinny, doing an outstanding job covering the Raiders with the Las Vegas Review Journal. Stepped right in, no surprise. Uh, doing a great job, already breaking news, gets great insights, really plugged in uh, with the Raiders. So follow along with Vinny at Vinny Bonsignor on Twitter. You can also follow at Vegas Nation, one word, which is the uh, Review Journal's kind of hub on Twitter for, for all of their uh, Raiders coverage. Our good friend Miles Simmons is is your colleague, so it must be <laughs> it must be fun to 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 work with Miles. Um, so so Vinny, uh, I hope everything is is going well there. Are, are you having fun uh, covering a new team? Yeah, I I, I do. I am, and uh, you know, um, getting there when I got there in, in November, and I've told some some players around the league. Man, I have I have I have newfound respect for you guys that got traded or cut in the middle of the season. You yeah. have to go to a new team. Um, you know, just every little thing from the you know the comfort comfortability factor in the locker room, getting to know a new locker room, and knowing where the facility is, and getting there, you know, and, and driving there. It's just a whole different world. It's every every locker room, every team is just a little bit different, and you got to kind of. You know, get it all figured out. But uh, you know, I'm glad I, I I I made that move when I did because it was invaluable experience getting to know 
players and, and build relationships. Uh, but so far, so good. It's been, you know, uh, John Gruden's an interesting uh, coach to, to, to cover, uh, kind of a character, but, um, you know, uh, is, 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 you know, helpful in his own way and um, just a, a, a fun guy to cover. And I think that this is a team, and Mike Mayock, too, is doing a great job um, and, and I think this is a team that's really on, on the rise and you've seen some of the moves that they've made that they've made. And, and it's kind of the Rams, you know, blueprint They're, they've, they've really identified character guys. And I know that's a cliche and Mike Mayock talks about it all the time that, Oh, you know, I know it's, it's a bunch of baloney, Oh, character guys, but it's, I think you and I both saw how important that really was going from the Rams in 2016 to the Rams in 2017 and 2018, when you bring in good, solid people like Robert Woods and Nikel Roby Coleman and, and Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan uh, and Austin Blythe and, and, and guys that, you know, are good in the locker room. And I think the Raiders have made a concerted effort uh, to do that. And you're really starting to see that kind of um, develop in, the, in their locker room. And I think they're, they've got some pretty bright days ahead of them. They've got some holes to fix they or to fill and they they've gone about that a little bit so far in the offseason. They have, you know, two first round picks, five picks in the first or th- uh yes, yeah, two five picks in the first 90 uh, uh, out of the first 90 players or so. Uh so they they feel pretty good about where they are and I, and I actually think they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to quantify that that uh, chemistry that you talk about or that that good uh, those good presences in the locker room. It's hard to put a financial number on it, but boy, when when you see it and and, and we see the impact of it, you, you certainly recognize the the value of it. And, and I know the Rams did in in twenty seventeen, and it looks like uh, the Raiders are, are trying to follow that that same model. So as we track it, nobody better than than Vinny to follow along with. So please do. We won't be strangers either. I'm sure you'll be back on at, at some point to. to talk about the latest doings and uh, everything that's going on with the Rams. So really appreciate you you joining. And again, everybody, all the listeners out there, everybody who reads The Athletic, thank you so much for, for staying with us, especially those uh, subscribers. I, I know it's a, a challenging time. People are worried about jobs and, and money and things like that. So the fact that you uh, stay with us and, and continue to support us, uh, it really, uh, it does mean something. It means a lot. I've thought about that every day. So thank you uh, to, to all those folks. And we'll do our best to continue to provide great coverage across the platform. The Rams are still going, but we've got other things that we're working on in other sports to try to keep it interesting. So thank you so much. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you soon. Kind of a bonus podcast uh, on on the on the docket here coming up soon to talk about a, a really interesting interview with Stan Kroenke. So you'll want to tune in for that one too. And then of course we'll be back to talk about all the latest Rams news. Who knows where we're going from here? But it's going to be very interesting. So take care, everybody. Stay safe out there, and we will talk to you again very soon. <laughs>